Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act 1, Chapter 33. Hey. 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 Hey, Ray. 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 What? You're standing in the second floor of the Northwest Tower, a space that is now rapidly thinning of terrible yellow fog. You've just finished off an anirogen, got your first glimpse of sunlight in, like, you don't even know how long. And as everyone's looking out the open bay of windows, Ray thinks he hears this little voice in his head. And you look down to see the champagne fox staring up at you with big sparkly blue anime eyes. No. Little pink fox. No. So sweet. No, no. So cute. You probably wonder for a moment if maybe you're experiencing a breakdown, like exactly like what Dora went through, because the fox is speaking in your head. Uh, That was pretty great, kid. (laughs) Do, Do you feel proud of yourself? Do you feel capable? Like, everything is gonna be okay now? What is happening? What, what is happening? Stop looking at me! Shh, I got a secret for you. Hey, Ray. Huh? You're just a scared little boy with mommy issues who will never be strong enough to handle the dangers of this world. The wild things are gonna eat you alive! The fox vomits up a mass of tentacles and blood vessels and dripping viscera out of its mouth through a horrific scream like a dying rabbit, splashing you head to toe with an obscene amount of pus and bile. Its ears transform into black horns, its eyes lose all pigment and morph into pulsing white orbs, all of its hair falls off, and its hindquarters merge into what looks like a wet, pussy, three-foot-long, segmented earthworm body trailing a layer of slime. I need will saves from every single one of you. We're going to check sanity, and we're going to make a save against a fear effect. First goddamn week of winter. Is the Bless Wand still in effect, or did we not... I'm, I'm gonna. Bless never happened. Bless never freaking happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that face. Look at Robert's face. Who's closest? Oh, it's Ray, because it's standing between <laughs> your legs. Uh, what'd you get when you checked your will against sanity? I rolled an 8 plus 4 is a 12. All right, you're fine. What about fear? This is another will Another save. will save. It's a nine on the die, plus four, 13. You want to use any shame? No. You are shaken with terror. Katie, why don't you hand him one of those? Okay. Cards. I think that's, I think that one's uh, minus two to just about everything, if I remember correctly. Okay. Who's next closest? Oh, it looks like it's, it's a tie between Dora and... Can I go? Because I'm holding these numbers in my head. Yes, go, Dora. What'd you I get? I got a 13 on the first sanity All right, check, you're good. And I got a... a a 20 on the fear. Excellent. You are fine. Next up will be Gull. I got an 18 on the first one yeah. and a 17 on the second one. You're golden. Now the spotlight shines on our pal Robert. What'd you get? Um, I got a pair of 11s. Oh, okay. no. 
you take a point of sanity damage, which means your madness is now no longer dormant, mm-hmm. and you are also shaken for a round. And as you all catch sight of this creature standing there, this is a different kind of fear effect going on. Rather than um, like a frightful presence or an aura of some sort, its big blue eyes are locking with you as it stares around the room. It seems to have a gaze ability going on. And so those of you that are feeling this fear, you do get the sense that on your turn, you might be able to avert your eyes if you wish to. But we're going to be making saves against this fear every single round you can see this creature. Roll initiative. We kind of just finished a fight too, didn't we? We kind of just did. Dora. Seven. And Ray. Natural one on the die, plus two is a three. That's a very low number there, Paul. I agree. Grip. Natural two on the die, plus one is a three. Wait, I'm winning? What's going on here, guys? This is awesome. What did did Gulliver get? Natural one on the die, plus three is four. What? You got the highest initiative of all of us. You get to go first. Lucky number seven. Wow, guys. Uh, Wow. Wow. I bet it goes first. I'm at 16 hit You'd be correct in that assumption. Now, I want to before we start, I want to ask everybody, why does everybody think that their initiative is as low as it is? Cuz that fucking was terrifying cuz that was a fox a second ago and now it's the thing from the thing. You like you guys saw it. Is, Ray. It? It's absolutely. So you got thing. you got vomited on. You think it's terrifying. You got a fear effect. Leading up to it though, you guys saw Ray talking to it, right? Like reacting and saying yeah. stuff, but you didn't Dora hear it. Dora was distracted by the very faint ray of sunlight in the distance out the window. First thing that happens, top of round one, the squirming half canine, half demon, half earthworm creature writhing around between your legs looks up at you and its eyes go from milky white orbs. They shine blue for a second as you hear in your head, I'm gonna kill your mom! And then it slithers across the floor into Dora's square and bites her. Yeah. We have mage armor going. Does a 23 hit your armor class? Oh, <laughs> yeah, because normally I have a 19, but with mage armor. Only one point of damage, but its viscera and blood vessels and tentacles are now wrapped around your legs, and you're feeling you're feeling a little weird inside your head. You didn't hear the voice that Ray heard, but you're starting to hear like whispers of many, many voices inside your head. The distant howling of of cats, the distant howling of dogs, little squeaking of mice. There's just this distant cacophony back in the back of your head. Wow. And then you're up next, Dora. What do you do? Uh, Dora would like to make a check on this thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> before anything else happens. Give me a knowledge planes check. Meh. 16. So you recognize this creature. It is called an Esapil, and it is a Sakil. And Sakils are interesting. As in some theologies, devils are essentially fallen angels. In this universe, Sakils are like fallen psychopomps. They are psychopomps who basically were not content 
to serve as clerks in an endlessly deteriorating cycle of meaningless lives. They completely abandoned their duties, escaped the outer planes, slipped into the ethereal plane, and then devoted the rest of their lives to tormenting mortals with the things that they fear the most. This is where they draw energy and power from. Esipils specifically are beings that prey upon the unease that comes from living with and near animals. They often take the form of domesticated animals, common or uncommon, and then insinuate themselves into people's lives and then find the right moment to, you know, kill their family in front of them and then terrorize them for the rest of their days. They're great little things. Are they immune to mind-affecting effects? As far as you know, they are not immune to mind-affecting effects. And you also know... Did you know? What about silver? Well, that's the way you're thinking, huh? Oh, no. But they do have damage resistance that is only overcome by good weapons. You need a good aligned weapon to effectively hurt these creatures. They are in many ways like other evil outsiders. It takes a powerful weapon of good to fully harm them. Dora's going to say, good aligned weapons. And then she's going to allow Tima to come forward. Okay. Tima ain't scared as shit. That's true. Um, And Tima is going to look at this thing and remind it that it used to be better than it was, Mm -hmm. than it is now. Uh And she's going to cast Mind Thrust at it. 11 for the saving throw. All right, roll damage. Come on, Tima. None of these three, two, ones. We're all rooting for you, Tima. We're Team Tima. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you have. It's true, it's true. Oh, 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 Tima! Seventeen. Holy! Six, six, five. Uh, it's nearly dead. <laughs> wow! Awesome. Gull, you are up. Do you want to keep your eyes closed? Do you want to avert your eyes? What do you want to do this round? Uh, Gull is. Uh, I only didn't ask Katie last round because I assumed Tima was coming forward. <laughs> Gull is uh, looks over at this thing that is clearly not an animal and it's like, told you so. And then takes aim with his gun and uh, lines up the sight and takes the shot. Start with a will save. I will do just that. That's right. Oh, maybe not. Uh, That is a whopping uh, eight. You are shaken. Oh. All right, right, so take a minus four here because you are firing into melee because it's in Dora's square. Okay, so got a minus two. Hold an 11. Oh my god, plus somebody six. killed this thing. That's a minus 2, that's 17 minus 2 is a 15. And then minus 4 is 11. It, does this resolve against touch? It does resolve against touch. Uh, you want to use any shame? I have one <laughs> left and I'm not spending it right now. That's a miss. <laughs> Do you want to take a move action? <laughs> yeah, I'll reload my gun. Very good. <laughs> have you been looking forward to this fight for like... A year and a half, or what? This What's thing is kind of fun. Yeah. I didn't know when you'd get to it, or if I'd even keep it in the... I didn't know, like, I knew it's near the end. It's like, it might be not fun to have it, but I'm like, no, we're doing it. It's we are nice, doing it. It's a nice little last of resources. It really is. Light. All right, Ray is up next. Give me a will save, unless you want to avert your eyes or close your eyes. 
Uh, no, will save. Uh, natural 16 on the die. You're good. Yeah. You're golden. Gonna close and attack. Right yeah. There. Okay. You're right there. Sweet. Swing down, sweet chariot. <laughs> That's a 20. It's pretty fast. It's pretty snaky. Do you want to use an action point there? A little shame point? Heck no. All right. That's a hit. Great. <laughs> but your weapon is probably not good aligned. Not yeah? good aligned at the no, moment. No, no, no. Oh. Uh, three points of bludgeoning piercing. It is unharmed as your Morningstar bounces harmlessly off of its hide. It's evil, evil hide. Grip, you're up. Do you want to avert your eyes, close your eyes, or just deal with it? So you said that it, it got pretty hurt. From, uh, yeah. From, oh, yeah. Like, mm. so I have this uh, uh, oil of a line weapon, but I don't know if, if, it, if it took a lot of damage. I don't know if I want to blow it on. I'll just say that everything we have found has had a use and a purpose. Yes. No, I agree. Right? But I don't know if, like, this seems like, well, an obvious time to do it. But if it's almost dead, maybe I would need it against the folks upstairs. Tell you what, give me a heal check. You can make that untrained if you're not trained. I bet you're not. I bet I'm not. I bet it's probably what, a minus one for you or something? No, probably heal, zero. Heal, <laughs> Big heal. fat zero. Minus three. Plus zero. An 11. Uh, you would consider it to be mortally injured. And we didn't we didn't learn the extent of the damage reduction, correct? You she know? would know. You would know it's five. Five, okay. Five slash good. How sure are you you can do six? <laughs> um, can I can I attack it from where I am right now? Oh, you certainly can. Yes, you are also adjacent to Dora. Oh, it's bleeding. Okay. It's bleeding. Let's see. Would the blind fight feet aid me if I were averting my eyes? Yes, it would, because basically when you avert you, uh, your eyes, you give yourself a 50-50 chance of not having to make the save in trade for giving it concealment against you. But you'd be able to use blind fight with that. Okay. Then um, uh, move action to uh, do the thing, although you don't see it because he's looking away from you, but his eyes roll back into his head and he yes. cracks his neck. Yes. And, <laughs> and um, uh, we'll take the blind fight feet and then we'll strike out with Red Destiny. Okay, I'm gonna roll uh, percentile here. We'll see if you have to make that save. You're good, my friend. Woohoo! Um, okay, so I don't have to make the save. Uh, I've got minus two for Shaken, but I'm flanking. So plus two. So plus two, so that's a wash. Um, so that's it then, yeah, right? Those I are the only modifiers. Yeah, that's it. So we are at Red Destiny. Where are you, my dear? I'm plus right here, eight. Robert. Plus, hmm? What? So plus many things eight. talk to us. I'm gonna kill you. Um, 22. Do you want to, oh, you don't have any shame left, do you? Oh, I got no shame. I'm gonna check concealment here. You missed from concealment, but I'm gonna oh, roll wow. again. I'm gonna roll again because of blind fight. Okay, I was gonna say. And you're fine. You're good. <laughs> um, then yes, I do ten points of damage. Wow. Oh, <laughs> That's fantastic. You slice it in half, gore flies everywhere, <laughs> and the foul creature that once seemed to be a champagne fox, but was revealed to be a fallen psychopomp, dies in the northwest tower room. Uh, uh, hold on. Gull reaches into the uh, the handy haversack oh, and pulls out some additional um, 
cloth and stuff like that that he had pilfered from the curtains and stuff. Yeah. And throws a piece over to Ray and goes, here you go. Dora returns. Clean yourself up, pal. Ray is stifling the urge to vomit. Dora successfully returns. Natural 20. Okay, great. She but sure returns. Um, <laughs> did, we and, and she, did we even notice it was Tima, I wonder? I don't know. That, that all happened, happened that so happened fast. That happened real fast. Um, but she looks around for Reynard. Reynard did stick by your heel because, well, because it wasn't really anywhere to go. Yeah. And uh, But Reynard's teeth were bared. And it, it was definitely, as it had all along, been incredibly uncomfortable with this creature. The fog up here is now thinned to the point. You know, I didn't even check fog concealment in this fight because it is now thinned to the point where I've revealed the entirety of the map of this of this room up here. It's a big, basically, 80 by 80 foot kind of um, octagon of sorts filled with uh, junk and boxes and crates and old dusty stuff up here. And at the moment... All is quiet. All is still. What do you do next? Should we look around and see if we can find anything of value in this sure. brick yeah. room? Give me checks. Sure. Make some perception checks. 18. Thanks for the rat, goal. 14. Also. 9. You pretty quickly deduce this is where everything of no use was sent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing to find up here. How badly is everybody injured at this point? Yeah, what do people look like? I'm somewhat below half. Dora is very, has a very minor injury. Gull is completely fine. I am down uh, eight, so. I'm down by 21. You're down by 21? Remember he took that massive hit last time that was like 18 points oh or something gosh, like that? Yes. It was a big hit. It was a big hit. Big hit. Yeah, I was down to 16 out of 36. It was, it was a crit. It was, it was, it was, no, it was three hits while he was unconscious. Oh, is what oh, happened. No, I was, was thinking, kicking him I was he remembering was the crit from. Oh, a couple sessions ago? Yeah. Clades. Yeah. That's what I was. No, it was, it was last session. Was Clades also? Clades oh was last God. session, yeah. yeah. Clades was. We had Clades. Last session and, was eventful. Yeah. This, yeah. These last couple of sessions are just a video game of <laughs> just so much encounters, so many encounters. It's so the meat many. grinder we portion of things. We need to speak realistically about whether we can go on. Well, that was what I was needing to point out here: is I can help us heal one, maybe two more times today, and I'm done. Can't help us anymore. I mean, I don't see us being able to do Three more onirogens, agrilumus. And Zandalus. whatever awaits us with Zandalus and his... No, I am in no shape to do that right now. I mean, and even if you were to spend your healing on me, then what yeah. we got? We got nothing. And, and we also got to go back and try to help out Natha before she gets, like, the uh, filth fever. Shall we head well, back? Then, so, what's the... What, what's the... If we try to go back to the chapel... We'll have to go back through the courtyard. The haunt is ended, but the night gaunt is still out there. Right. We think. We don't know. It didn't bother us last time. We have to make sure... And the way is clear. Right. That's what I was... Do we need to do anything to keep the apostles from discovering that the ghouls are gone? That the uh, unicorn is gone? that the rattlings are gone. I, I, I feel like they weren't necessarily sending people out. They had sent people out earlier 
We were the people. We were the people out. that were sending out. So as long as we don't come back, I don't know that they would have any reason to believe that there was anything new that had changed. You know what? Though we can do like ghost sounds of the unicorn. Yeah. Um, and of the ghouls, like we can plant these things. We have to be there for it. But do we have to pass literally pass through their ranks to get there, or can we can we get there without them to get back to yeah. the chapel? Yeah. The door you to. took to get into this northwest area, um, there are two doors near each other. One is very close to one of their doors. The other is is not. It's far enough out of the fog that you, you have never been able. They couldn't they even see, see you. Us. Gotcha. Okay, then. I mean, it, it feels like it would be really easy to like go up there, have a ghost sound, fire a gun in the air once, and like, you know, get out of there. That would be a assuming we don't noise. get attacked by the by the night gun. By yeah. the night gun. That the plan? Head on down? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Do we want to heal before we go? Yes, because literally anything could happen. So I only have one channel left. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and you, you got to use it. Yeah. You got to use it. I mean, you don't have to, but Johnny the player would highly urge you to use it. Yeah. Thank you, Johnny the player. <laughs> what does Ray the character do? Ray the character heals seven points of damage for everyone if right. who needs it. Thank you. All right, so after taking some time to kill the Esipil, search around through the uh, dusty storage tower. Yeah. Are the, are the chairs still rocking in the floor below? As you head back down onto the first floor, the chairs have all tipped over onto their backs and are lying still. And the fog outside of those windows on the first floor also seems significantly thinner as well, just as it had upstairs. So what about the courtyard? We got to look. You make your way out to the courtyard, and I'll just assume it's Gull opening that door first. Yeah, yeah. The first thing you notice as you cr- crack that door open is the courtyard is almost completely clear of fog. Mm-hmm. And it's as bright as you have ever seen in outdoor space yet this entire adventure. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it bright daylight, but I would call it a, uh, a dim yellow you can see through clearly without any obstruction. And give me a perception check. Uh, that's a 14. You hear the unmistakable sounds of what sounds like a group of probably apostles up near the kitchen door, which is only really like 30 feet to the north of you. Would have previously been out of sight, but you can hear a bunch of them uh, milling around, talking to themselves. Clearly outside, like not from inside the kitchen, but actually outside in the courtyard. Dope. I will duck my head back in and yeah. let everybody know that. And there's The way you're situated... Because that, that door faces south and they're north of you. They could not have possibly seen you. So We may need to actually go back and tell them something different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if there's like a, a large group of them, like they may be, you know, unless we specifically tell them not to come, like they may try to come back. Okay. So what would we tell them? There's still rattlings. There's still a unicorn. The ghouls have gotten out, so they're going to know one of the Anirogens is down. Will they? Do those people know that? Those people don't know that. The people higher up might know that, but... 
And Elburn's knowledge as a fairly representative member of the Apostles didn't really seem to understand what they were or what they did. He just knew they were important to the Tatterman, to Zandalus. So we could go at them like, what happened? You know, and see what they know. But then we'll have to give them a reason why we're leaving again. We could also say that uh, that we managed to fight off most of the ghouls, but that one or two of us was injured, and we need to keep a distance from them because we don't want to give them ghoul give them fever. Ghoul fever. Hmm. And we and so for everybody's safety, they need to stay back because we don't we don't want to hurt them. So we could just tell them we, have, we think we are diseased. But why aren't we going to their uh, medical tent, which is the answer for this kind of thing? Mm, that's a good point. Could we say that we're in pursuit? Like maybe show um, the, the head of the big bad uh, ghoul that we killed, right? They or something all turn like into ash. Oh, yeah. shit. Also, I think it's probably to our benefit for them to believe there are still there is still a ghoul infestation yeah, right. and a rattling infestation. So we need to make somehow that this, we're leaving one area to go get more ghouls in another area, and they should not follow us. All right, if we're going to do something like that, then what we need to do is we need to literally, like, everyone like, runs out this door as if, like, everything is chasing us. Like, I'm the last one out. Sound. Like, I fire the gun in at the door, slam the door shut, and, like, you know, we, like, hold it shut, and maybe we yell at them to, like, come over, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Stay we see away. Them. Stay away. No, no. Us. Like, we, we yell at them to come over. You got to help us bar- barricade the door. And we're maybe we hide in with all the people tonight before we go upstairs. We can't be exposed to the, to the tatter man while we're with a bunch of people he can tell to kill us. I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think our dreams would be lovely targets. I, th- I think we'd just be way too vulnerable. You know how when you pretend to throw a ball for a dog and they believe you? Oh, yeah. What if we're chasing after an invisible ball? They don't see what it. What is the ball here? The ball here is a ghoul or any other unyet named horror. But we have a plausible reason for doing what we're doing because that's what we set out to do. And there's no, we don't have to do much lying here, right? We're just moving from one place to another because we're in pursuit of destroying the evil that we set out to destroy. If it's clear now, it's because we succeeded in some fashion, but it's important that they stay where they are to stay safe until we're done. I think we should not have any idea what's going on with the air. Okay. That we are... Yeah. We have been evading ghouls and rattlings and unicorns in in an effort to find a way through, but that we have no idea what's going on with the fog. And I would say let's, whether we're running from something or pursuing something, sell that 
and don't even engage with them unless they no debate unless yeah. they like don't even look at them unless they try to like, engage us yeah at which point I'll make a ghost sound of something if any of them insist on coming with us let's keep it to a low number like one or two and kill them before we even get there back to the chapel that's a very pragmatic approach there, Braden. How's your phylactery? I feel? wish you were still wearing that phylactery. It's I'd buzzing be in my pockets. So many things, but oh yeah, yeah. There's a little, uh, there's a little fire in your pocket there, Ray. And the uh, the you do find that the the holy text to Shaylin that you had put inside the phylactery did indeed just burn up inside of it. Not that you're wrong, because I don't think you are. I think it's a fun idea, but Shaylin does not approve. <laughs> it's a fun idea if we kill them before we even get to the chapel. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, if they insist, then, that, yeah, he's right. But let's try to not bring any of them with us. I, I think trying to make it fast and make a ghost sound behind us and just, if they engage, just yell... They're chasing us. You go back to where it's safe. We're taking care of it. And then just keep moving. And the less we have to talk, the less we have to talk. <laughs> Look, Grip and I, wisdom's our dump stat. So, you know, we've got one way of doing things. I agree. Fast and deceptive. Fast, loud, and deceptive. Great. Yes. So would I start with ghouls? And yeah. then and then move to so ghouls behind us, unicorn ahead. The unicorn sound. And then and maybe once we get in, a quick of uh, I keep forgetting the name night, of the beastie. Gaunt, yeah. A quick night gaunt sound uh, after we've left, just to make them hopefully believe everything is still in place. Or even start one of those things with, that would maybe make them back up. Oh yeah, yeah. So that they're us. not initially watching, and then. <laughs> Yeah, and then like you know, like some sounds of bang, bang, you know, ghouls chasing, running, and stuff. So make a whole bunch of barrage of like some of those sounds, followed by us, you know, having a knockdown, dragout fight, running away kind of thing. Let's do it. All right, what do you start with? Um, Start with the night gone. Uh huh. Night gone, wing flapping. Yeah, but like, but like overhead and oh yeah away from us so that they would hopefully turn away. Sure, on the east side of the courtyard. Uh, what's the DC of the will save there, Katie? It is uh, 14 if I'm me. But Tima doesn't give a shit about this amazing. plan. All of their so ears start bleeding that, yeah. as they hear this. <laughs> 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 no, no. I would oh. That would not oh. happen from a Tima ghost sound, yes. just for the record. Oh, that would be cool, though. <laughs> but I would love to watch it. But it would be great. Yeah, um, yeah so it's 14. Okay. There are 80 of them. Oh my gosh. I'm doing a will save and a perception check as well. All right, so there is there is the sound of these giant night gaunt wings flapping over the courtyard, sort of across the way over by uh, the part of the courtyard you've never actually been in before. And what do you do next? Kick open the door and like 
fire shots and then uh, ghoul, sound. ghoul sounds. Ghoul sounds like you're running away from ghouls. Yeah, like they're like they're ravenously chasing us. All right, kick it open the door, shooting backwards. All right, uh, the dice do what they do. The dice are going your way right now. As you burst out into the courtyard, you can see it in its entirety. There is no concealment in this space whatsoever. The courtyard itself is about, what, like 50 or 60 feet wide. And up near the, as you're heading down towards the library, you can see that it does seem as though the apostles that had been gathered out in the courtyard have like sort of dived back over the barricade into the kitchen. And they're sort of just collecting themselves to start looking out the window as you start running out. And Dora's last, I assume, making these ghoul sounds. Uh, coming behind you. Uh, what do you do next? We run for the run for the other side, and then the sound of the unicorn. Yeah, and us like literally going, <gasps> "Oh shit!" <laughs> and then another like firing in that direction. Okay, so you run down the fifty or sixty feet towards the smashed open window into Lissandro's office, and Dora is following along, and she's going to make the sound of the unicorn like ahead of you, basically mm-hmm. down at the mm-hmm. southern end of the courtyard. Well, all right. Okay. Ghost uh, sound is our friend. At this particular moment, no one's disbelieving, and everyone is scared enough of the night gaunt, and nobody succeeded at any perception checks or failed any will saves. <laughs> so at the moment, you are able to scramble over there and climb back up into the window, uh, though you do, as you were out there racing across this space... They they now have no reason to believe anything other to do anything other than to start checking the space out. You know because you've been out there. One of the fears of this space had been we don't we can't see further than 10, 15 feet ahead of us. Yeah. They can now see it its entirety. Mm-hmm. And judging by the amount of bodies you heard out there, obviously you don't have them in front of you to make a sense motive check. But I think you would reasonably assume it may only be a matter of time before they start actually exploring. And if you're going to go away for 14 hours, whatever it's going to end up being overnight, um, who knows? There will be changes. Some tough decisions here, gang. So wait, so what time of day is it right now? There's probably five hours left in this eight-hour adventuring time. So you'd be gone 13 hours, essentially, if you uh, left right now. My question is, how much longer is there daylight? You do not know the answer to that question. You actually, it's you would, we would actually at this point be feeling like, my sense is it should be evening. Why is there so much light that um, maybe over the course of a month of living in these circumstances, Nace's assessment of what time of day and what date it was may not have been entirely accurate. Uh, but so when I are... when I say a time, I'm saying to your yeah. relative uh, understanding. Sensibility. Okay, does that make sense? But it is like. November, basically. Yes. So the days are short. Yes. As long as you're considering yourself fully on Galarian. Oh, okay. So so here's a question. In terms of when we ran out and we could and there was daylight and stuff, would a would a nature or survival check be able to be made to figure out relative to the amount of light what time of day it was? There was brighter light coming through the fog overhead that is shielding the entire asylum. You you can't, like those little glimpses of sunlight that you saw from upstairs were just a little wisp of hope through this. It doesn't bear resemblance to. And we're not, we're not fixing the sun's position or anything. No, like no, not at all. Not at all. 
Can we bar up these windows in Lissandra's office? You could very easily cover the hole you have made, but it's like 20, 40, 60, 80. It's like 100 feet of windows. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot and of windows. They're very tall, right? They're very tall. I think the easiest way to do it is we just have to have the guards be on, yeah. like, on heightened alert and say that, look, we've... Some of the things that have been haunting this place... They may come this way and investigate. Yeah. And if they do, we can't let them leave. Yeah. Is there some... uh, With the time left, could we disguise the entryway? Like, could we come in and build up some rubble so it feels like the hallway towards the chapel is blocked? Oh. Well, there is only one one way clear down to the chapel through yeah. that hallway from Lissandra's office down to the library. There used to be a haunt there. You certainly could pile up crap against the door to Lissandra's office, get the whole team working on that, and you know, you'd at least hear the sounds if yeah. an army of folks was trying to bash through that. And then how would we get in there the next time? You just have to clear it. It would have to be on the chapel side, and you'd have to spend time to clear it in the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it works you would certainly have the time to do so. All right. I buy that, Paul. I, that makes sense I buy that, yeah. You want to do that? Okay. Yes. Good idea, Ray. Excellent idea. So we make our Thanks, way back Paul. down. We fill in the team on the plan there. And they're basically able to, really quickly, working together, you all, essentially move the barricade that was at the east end of the chapel hallway just up right up against Lissandro's door there because it's like pieces that are all ready to go. East end, that's the, the barricade uh, by the, the big atrium open area yes, where we exactly. the flesh and whatnot. And in the last however many days it is now, five or six days, once you cleared out this front, this en- this entrance hall here, nothing has come back through this space. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Done and done. You're able to settle in to the chapel. Uh, any conversations before bed? Gull, can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah. Where is this happening, by the way? Chapel. Um, where we're, like, setting up to, to bed down for the night. I'm assuming we're kind of close together because we're somewhat of a, like, superhero team. <laughs> So, you know, Ray's like getting out his bedroll kind of thing, or like wiping. When did you get a bedroll? <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, what game roll? are you playing? Sorry. Let me see your sheet. <laughs> I steal Brenton's bedroll and I say, hey, Gull, can I ask you a question? <laughs> so you're in a corner of the chapel trying to have a little bit of privacy there. Yes. Okay. Um, Gull, earlier, Dora gave us an, a little insight into, I think, our shared past. And I wanted to ask if you recognized the elixir that Vaticus gave young Brayden in that vision. It was... The blue fizzy stuff. Yes, sort of sweet. The special juice. Not like, uh... Not like what Miss Melathot drinks, but, uh... You know, for kids. Miss who? Melathon. It's uh, Melisen is her name. Melisen. I don't think we've ever spelled that out. M-E-L-I-S-E-N-N. I I have no memory of that name. (laughs) The investigator does. (laughs) 
the investigator remembers. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do I? Give me a craft alchemy check. All right. Craft alchemy. Nope, that's a... Well, maybe. It was a natural one on the die for a total of 13. You got a plus 12 on that, huh? Wow. Is your bonus? That is my bonus. That's pretty good. I'll say this. I think Gull's immediate gut guess would be that that kind of coloration and that kind of effervescence might have been something added to whatever it was to specifically make it appealing to a child and might not actually give you a clue as to what was involved. Because as you're racking your brain, obviously you got a natural one. You're racking your brain. You don't come up with any... any no obvious no thing obvious of like what it would thing. be. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I've been... I've been wondering the same thing, and I, I don't, I don't know. And I, I, I've been wondering who Melithum was, and uh, who, uh, who you were with. Because I, I remember in, in that vision, I asked if you and, if you were going to go together with someone, and I, I wondered who you were going with. I wonder if it's, and Ray pulls up his sleeve a little bit mm-hmm. and points to his scarring on his skin. I wonder if it's this Daria. Daria? Who that? I don't know. It, is that within your... Is that within your skin? Just her name. Over and over and over. Can I make any kind of knowledge check on any of the names or locations that were mentioned in that vision? It's like Market Street or something like that. There was like, you know, stay away from that house. You're going to go down near the, I think, down near the lake or something like that. Yeah, give me a knowledge local check. This will be hard, but only due to your lack of a memory. Yeah. I might get something here. Oh, man. Uh, That is a... 18. Market Street for sure rings a bell as the name of uh, a lakeside street in the town of Thrushmore. You would not recognize Mellison with an 18. What else was in that? Anything else? Daria? Just just that there was like a house at the end of the block or something like that that was like a bad place to go. That's not for little kids. And little kids go there all the time. Yeah, you're aware of an old mansion called the Wailing House that sits at the end of Market Street in the town of Thrushmore. That is, it's the place where every single generation of kids tells each other, you gotta, the Marsden s- house. You gotta sleep on overnight there. You know, it's that it's kind of It's the Dare House. It's the Dare House, exactly. Okay. Has not been owned by anybody for a very, very, very long time. Uh, it is called the air quotes haunted house, but you don't, you are not conjuring up memories of like literal haunts, literal undead creatures. It's just the, it's the, you know, it's, it's that house okay. of that town. Is it really just a burlesque house? <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Um. <laughs> Best little whorehouse in Thrushmore. <laughs> Ray, the only thing that I've been able to sort of puzzle out from that is that, you know, the place that I told you not to go with like, kind of like a, a, a scary rundown mansion, but other than that, like, 
I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I raised nodding his head. I get it. I get it, Gull. I, I hardly remember anything either. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Ray turns his back and walks away. Continues to fuss with his bedroll. His, <laughs> his Eddie Bauer bedroll. Yes. If it's worth it, Dora does want to ask Nesa if she oh, knows oh. anything about foxes and why they have encountered three of them. Oh, foxes. Oh, I, oh that sounds very strange to me. I know uh, they did have some... They had some some puppies and some dogs here for, like, patient therapy and, and the like. But, uh, uh foxes, I, I, I don't know about that. Oh, maybe a kitten. <laughs> maybe a kitten. You're, you're, you're seeing her, like, visibly reach for an explanation because she wants to kind of... Is this all right? Yeah, please, <laughs> please you, but she doesn't seem to know. That's all right. Yeah. Would the name Clades have rung any bells for anybody? Oh, Clades. Uh, he was an orderly. Yes, several folks would recognize him as kind of the baddest son of a bitch around. Got it. <laughs> Not, Not anymore. Until, until Grip can <laughs> see him. <laughs> uh, I ain't gonna see him no more. <laughs> All right, so I wasn't sure I was gonna do this before the end of book one, but what the hell, let's do it. We're leveling up oh overnight. I asked everyone to start bringing a fourth level sheet just in case, so I hope you've all got those. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll talk about what we get at level four, and also, uh, you know, a few weeks back I had talked about one of the ways we'll be fleshing out the stakes of our campaign here, and that was about continuing to develop the stories of all the NPCs and the backup characters out there, how we build a world together, and how we introduce and engage with everyone your characters come in contact with. And the other way to keep this story alive and keep the stakes up is, of course, to keep deepening the storytelling around your main characters. Now, we obviously spend a lot of time talking about what they do and what they feel and what they think, and we'll continue to do so. But I was thinking this week about how this might be the last sleep of one or more of your characters' lives. And I was just curious as as to where you're all sitting as, as players and storytellers in relationship to your characters. You came into this campaign knowing nothing about what it would be like. You only really had a loose sense of who your characters might be. And then, of course, you start making choices. Things happen. You make more choices. And now we're here at the end of Act 1. And if it turns out to be the last sleep before your character meets a grisly death tomorrow... <laughs> Uh, like where are you at with them? Anything you haven't shared yet? Any, either as yourself about what you're discovering about them or how you're choosing to play them or maybe something they're sitting on that there hasn't been really an opportunity or time to share yet. If you've got something to share, great. No pressure if you don't. But why don't, uh, why don't you throw that in there with our leveling talk? Anybody want to kick us off? Katie's looking right at me. Katie. I mean, I will. Great. Um, <laughs> and it, it is tied, that thing that I have been thinking about, there's a, many things uh one thing i wanted to talk about was sanity yeah because when you proposed those rules i knew what i was playing yeah i understood how it worked and i was like eh, whatever sure it's not gonna affect me that <laughs> much and then 17 episodes later i got blasted with the biggest amount of sanity damage that we've seen yeah and it changed a lot of what i thought about dora it defined half the book for her yeah yeah um and and it, it it fed into leveling mm-hmm. in a way that I had not expected. Interesting. Um, so just stat wise, you know, like a 
fourth level for Dora. It's a big level for spells. Yeah. I get four new spells. <laughs> one of them's a cantrip, and um, one of them is uh, Mind Thrust 2, which I yes. chose, and I don't think it's any big mystery that I was going to choose that. But what taking that spell allows me to do mechanically is swap out Mind Thrust 1 for another first level spell, yeah. a different one. So I'm going to hang on to what that one is. Sure, sure. Um, and, but and, you still get to cast the first level version anyways. But I still get, yes, can it can be it. undercast. I can use the first level spell slot to use it. It's a really elegant system. Yeah, that makes, psychics are great. Yeah, that makes doing this um, a little easier and more fun and more yeah. flexible. Yeah. And the other big thing that happens at fourth level, of course, is that we get a stat boost. Yeah. Uh, psychics are intelligence-based casters, and so it seemed like a no-brainer that I would boost my intelligence, even though it doesn't give me a measurable difference at this level because I'm going from an even number to an odd one. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of sanity, <laughs> and because of this mechanic, and because of how things played out, I actually chose to boost her charisma from 15 to 16, nice. which is a measurable difference, even though it doesn't affect as many things. It certainly affects her diplomacy. Yeah. Um, but it affects things around Tima. It sure does. More than anything else. Mm-hmm. That's um, cool. And so, so Tima gets stronger. Tima can hang out longer. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going to happen. So this is the way the class is designed. Your dark half, or whatever other people call it, get stronger as you get stronger and that is very intimidating yeah but dora also gets stronger yes (laughs) like you know it's it's balanced but um uh (laughs) dora's not the only one learning and growing from this experience tima is as well tima is as well she gets a new spell that is only I only have because of her. Because of Tima, right, um, I'm right. also going to share what that one is because it's one of those spells anybody who's ever played with me before knows that when I play casters, I often tell the party what spells I have because they will find better use for them than I will. I'll forget I have them. Uh, I forgot I had Mage Hand in a one campaign right. for like 100 years. Right. And what I, I also, by the way, that is my cantrip that I got now. I got Mage Hand. Yeah, but always useful. The... Uh, <laughs> the um, the uh, first level, the second level spell that comes with Tima is Alter Self. Mm. Whoa! So, if anybody can think of any way we can use that now, it allows her to transform into any other humanoid of small or medium size, any gender, any look, any type of species. It's pretty cool for like a minute per level or something, right? Or is it ten minutes? One minute per level. Yeah, it's a good one, and it's not it's not an illusion. She actually turns into that thing. It is it's actual trans- transmutation. Stuff as well, or just uh, your person? So the way polymorph spells work, if you're transforming to something else that's of the same type, it would all stay the same. So would she be able to make herself look like Xandalus? I believe that spell does not let you look like uh, actual specific people, right? I think you need to use a disguise self. Mm. Yeah. Basically, with polymorph spells versus illusion spells, with polymorph spells, you become a, quote, representative member of that species. So you couldn't turn yourself into, say, Nasa. Right. But you could turn yourself into a fisherwoman from further down on Lake Uncarthen. You know? I could not look like Dora. Right. Um, turn yourself cool. into a halfling. That'd be fun. Yeah. But that would be a slot, yeah. too, which yeah. could also be Mind Thrust. So. <laughs> mind Thrust, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mind Thrust, too. 
Uh, and I think, you know, other than the usual skill points and, and such. And it's really the spells for you. Going up and for, for Ray at this level, level that's what it is. The spells. Yeah. yeah. Second level spells is huge. Do you want to... You good? Um, the other unspoken thing... Yeah. Revolves around the, the divorce conversation, which I don't know if we want to get into any of that anymore now. But, you know, when it came up, Dora was in the position of sort of being the gatekeeper of the person involved in the situation yeah. and had to speak to it from that perspective because it was on her if we let Team out and anything happened. And that, that is the only thing that that she could contribute to that conversation. And I just wanted to sort of put that out there that that conversation to Dora, it had nothing to do with her. She doesn't consider herself married to Gull, ever having been married to Gull. The ring is a piece of metal that she wears around her finger because it fits. And it just, you know, like these things are not... Now, it's not quite the same as her relationship with with Ray. She certainly doesn't feel like Ray's mother, but she feels maternal maternally and fond, uh, fond of Ray, for sure. And she did before any of this even she, came up. Yes, yeah. that was just, yeah. that's how they interact. Yeah. Um, and all of that is layered into the fact that she was insane at the time. And what <laughs> happened to me as a human being yeah. while playing Dora during that scene was so interesting because you guys talk to her like a crazy person, but she doesn't, she didn't know she was crazy <laughs> at the time, you know? And it was really a very um, not great feeling yeah. uh, to be in. I've No one's ever talked to me, Katie, like that. Or, you know, if they have, I, I've blocked it out. And, and it also fed into the decision to go down the charisma route, which is a little bit more about passion than intellect mm. and sort of identity and who she is. So she has always been extremely accepting of this situation and yearns in a scholarly fashion to remember. That has shifted into a desire to understand what has happened, Mm -hmm. but also a desire to not stop being Dora. That's awesome. Thank you, that's great. Who's next? Why don't you go there, Polly? Yeah, you're okay. This, you're in a similar spellcasting boat here. Sure, I am. And yes, I have gone from six spells a day to 11. Wow. I've <laughs> added to my spell list Cure Moderate Wounds, Lesser Restoration, and Protection from Evil Communal. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> there's a... Oh. I know, it's huge. It's huge. There's still a couple of um, spell things that... I'm keeping somewhat under, you know, I was keeping my cards to my chest a little bit on. But one thing I do want to share is that I switched out, um, what was it? Magic Missile, wasn't it? Magic Weapon? Magic Weapon, that's what it was. For Remove Sickness. (gasps) Now, Remove Sickness is not as uh, powerful as, like, Remove Disease. But it does suppress. It it suppresses a disease for 40 minutes. So if if we are sick and we're going into battle... It doesn't fix it, but you suffer nothing while it's going. Oh my god, that's so huge. Yeah. 
So it's even someone, changing it's someone who's about to be sick. Yeah. Right. Um, what else can I share? Oh, the um, the ability stat that went up for Ray is as he's getting stronger, he went up in strength. And so his mod went up by plus one, which adds plus one to his attack and damage on melee weapons. And allows him to carry more because you were struggling under that armor for a while. What's your strength now? Uh, my strength is 14. Nice. So my strength and dex are equal. Um, yeah, he's very well-rounded. The thing about about Ray that I feel has been developing, and and it's, I'm glad that we started with <laughs> Dara because um, so much of the identity is tied up in our in our relationship and our um, attachment to one another that's been developing. But there is that recognition that she's got this. She's mother. She's not mother. But there's the compassion and the and the kindness and the empathy that attracted Ray into wanting her to be motherly towards him. Mm-hmm. But he knows the reality is probably it's that monster on the other side of the coin that's his actual mother. And and then dealing with our um, you know, Polly and Johnny love each other in real life. <laughs> yes, we do. But Gull and Ray have, at times, a hostile relationship. Yeah. Um, animosity, unsure, skepticism, definitely on Ray's part. So there's a duality there, too, of, like, th- this guy is not my dad, but he is my dad, but, you know. And then behind that is this... Feeling like uh, I'm getting all these magic eight ball signs that Shaylin's at the bottom of my healing powers, but in the remembrances of the psychometry that uh, reflects my past, I'm tied to Zan Kuthan, and in that, so that duality is echoing uh, between how I see my relationship with my mother, how I see my relationship with my father, and within myself. And I'll, I'm not going to tell you Ray's alignment, but I will tell you the word good isn't on there. <laughs> so while at the beginning of Ray's coming uh, to consciousness here is, is wanting to believe that he is good and that his powers tell him that what he does is he gives life and that must be a good thing, He's beginning to understand that not necessarily. You know, giving life has other uses. And it can also be withheld. This power can also be withheld. And he's contemplating that. Nice. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Fourth level, um, Stat bump was in dexterity. Bump that up to 13. There Does we not go. increase yeah. the modifier, but it opens up uh, several feats uh, for a prerequisite. So Most importantly, um, improved uh, improved grapple. Yeah. So that'll come in very handy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, BA base attack bonus went up. Saves kind of went up, although not uh, will. And um, the cool thing, the cool ability, I get a bump to my armor class when I'm wearing light or no armor. Uh, plus one dodge bonus. Uh, and to CMD. And then I get this cool ability called Knockout, 
where yes. once what? a day I can unleash a devastating attack that can instantly knock a target unconscious. <laughs> Announce before making attack roll if you hit and target takes damage, it makes a fort saving throw, uh, or fall unconscious for 1d6 rounds. Oh my god. What's the DC on that fort save? Uh, 10 plus half level plus strength modifier. What's that, 15? So 10, 12, 15. Yeah, DC 15. That's sweet. That's awesome, man. So that's kind of cool. Um, well, your power attack and combat expertise jumped up too because you had hit the 4 BAB. Oh, so that went up to nice. minus 2 plus 4 and minus 2 plus 2. Yeah. Oh my uh, god. For, for those two things. Um, so that's the level. <laughs> What's your hit points now? Hit points are. Shut up! Shut up! You know, I didn't. I didn't roll as good, but I. So I'm. I'm at 46. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, wow. But that's. So I think. Fuck you. I, I rolled. I rolled a four. You, you have to rub it in. I rolled a six, and I have 21. <laughs> she has less than half your hit points. <laughs> I think we, we broke Johnny. Um, oh my god. In terms of what's what's bubbling under his skin. He's dealing with some things. He's um, he's lately been finding himself curious about how he came to serve Lowell's. Oh, yeah. And he's wondering, well, was I just a shite person and that he was that was the job for me? Or was there some sort of circumstance that put him in that position, some sort of crucible that forged him into the Laughing Tyrant. Right. The memories of the cruelty, though that, that has been concerning to him. On the same, at the same time, he is more and more aware that he is his most true self and his most use to the world, as he sees it, when he's hurting things. He started the campaign presenting as chaotic neutral. As he has been looking at how he views the world as it, at least he sees it now, not knowing anything beyond, what was it, 10 days? How long have we been together now? This is the end of the, end of day 10. 10 days. Something is not sitting right with his worldview. I had mentioned to Rob months ago that I, I felt like chaotic neutral is not how I've been playing it and that maybe he's leaning neutral good. And Rob said, well, let's see how this first book goes, see how you feel, and we can talk, you know, think about an incremental change. I don't know that neutral good is what I'm feeling, because there is this battle between what I do best is hurt stuff, yeah. and not, not embracing this cruelty that apparently was part of, at least part of his past. So I'm not saying that. Something isn't sitting right. I don't know if it's the chaotic. I don't know if it's the neutral. So I'm not, I'm not claiming any sort of alignment shift now. Yeah. But that's what he's wrestling with that he isn't really talking about overtly. Love it, love it. And Rob, as Robert and I were talking about this, I had sort of floated to the group that maybe we look at the end of each book as a time to revisit everybody's alignment and have a conversation about where they're sitting and if what's on the sheet reflects who they are. And if it's not, maybe we talk about uh, things sort of adjusting. But uh, I know for a fact, because Robert's been on Robert's mind for a while, that that's uh, that's cooking in his head. Thank you. Johnny. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, so unlike everybody else, I did not take another level of my current class. Here we go. I did... Uh, uh, a little branch out, and I'm sure it's going to shock and surprise everybody to find out that I took a level of gunslinger. <laughs> uh, which 
did a whole lot of really good things for me, including bumping up some fortitude and some reflex and uh, gave me a bunch of other options in terms of what to do with grit. Mm. So I have four grit points, four points of inspiration, uh, and uh, our lovely shame, shame point. point. Remind me, I have a shame point question when we're Yeah, great. But those were sort of the most exciting things in terms of this level up. It helped me bump up my hit points pretty well, so I'm at actually 32 hit points, which is Sweet. not not that's, bad for an oddly cute. tanky little character. Um, uh, oh, very close and personal with that pistol. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm even though I, even though I'm now a fourth level character, I I still have extra. I have rapid reload still written twice on my sheet because I haven't had enough days yet of training to actually still have so point flag shot. We're so close. Because I'm only on day three. Yeah. So even if we took the first part of tomorrow to train, it still wouldn't make a difference. I would have to have a whole other day after that to get, so it's like, well, this is just gonna happen after this book ends. It's book two, yeah. Which is fine. Um, you get sick, you lose a couple days, yeah. you almost die. And speaking of losing a couple days and almost dying, that was a big sort of jumping off place for me in terms of uh, the question of, you know, what what do you want to let, what do you want to share about your character that, uh, that you know, they might not necessarily talk or, or share with, with everybody yet. It's basically a spiraling sort of series of questions that are going through his mind, like as he's getting ready for bed this night and thinking about all the many unanswered questions that he has the dream that he had in the laundry room and coming to and seeing his face and seeing his face change and harden into a cruel face without mercy. And is that really his real face? And then thinking about these fucking foxes almost dying, almost dying from like the unicorn twice, finally fucking killing Ratchmambi and eating him like I said I was gonna do. And then back to that records room. That feels like such an important part of Gull's life so far, uh, of having everybody know who they are and his suspicion that I had, like I think in the first episode or second episode, second one, yeah. of looking at the dead body on the table and going, the stuff that I have belonged to that body, but I'm not sure how that happened the idea of the different voices that our different characters experienced and mine being hide yourself who told me to hide myself why do they want me to hide myself i was to the best of my knowledge put into the body of the triangle man what happened to the triangle man the assumption has been that the triangle man was put into the body of gulliver vaticus but what if he wasn't what if somebody else was put into the body of Gulliver Vaticus and somebody else died on that table when we first woke up and the Triangle Man is still alive. What if the fifth part of our party is still out there somewhere? Walking around somewhere. Walking around somewhere. Um, the way that the Ragman talked to me in my dreams, it was like he knew Gull, like it was something personal. There are all these mentions of specific things that I think are designed to elicit a response, but I don't know what of that is true and what of that is false, and trying to sort of figure my way through that. The whole thing of like Maeve seeing Ray fly like an angel. So Ray was here before now. 
she saw him sometime before now, and she saw him presumably as Ray, or as Braden, or whatever whatever name he went by, when he had powers possibly attributed to Zan Kuthan. Why was he here? Why did he come here? I know that our characters don't know it, but Grip's experience of the thing with Erwin, like that's been a really hard thing because Johnny the player heard all that, but Gull knows nothing about it. So I've been very, very diligently not thinking about any of that stuff as Gull because that feels like another sort of like puzzle piece. So there are all these different puzzle pieces that just have been going around and around and around and around and around in, in my brain and in my investigator character's brain trying to figure this out. Uh, and at a certain point, it makes my head hurt explode. and want to explode and stuff. <laughs> yes. um, so yeah, those, those were some of the things that I had been talking to uh, Rob about. Yeah, be thinking about those, all of you that have participated in moments where information was revealed that you were alone as we bridge the gap from the end of Act 1 to Act 2, are these the stories that you shared with everybody else or kept them to yourself? I can, in Grip's case, I could see both things very easily. Like, no need necessarily to share that story, but he does know that Gull may have been involved, so he may feel it incumbent upon him to share it. No need to answer all that right now, but maybe thinking, like, if your character is sitting on anything that you know that other people aren't knowing, do you tell them? Does that come up? Sweet, sweet, sweet. You wanted to say something about shame points? Yeah, so in other campaigns, we use action points and they have other uses, other potential uses, mm-hmm. one of which is which is the um, additional use of a class ability. Right. What are we thinking with this campaign? Yeah, we can do those ones. We've got a short list that we use in a different campaign that we can pull into this one for sure. And I think, you know, blowing an action point to get another use out of a once per day thing would be totally fair game. Or like... What about these pools that both um, Gull and Dora have? Mm-hmm. I have a Phrenic pool that has an odd number of points in it. Right. But I have an ability things, that yeah. does that uses two. Would that be a fair use I of an action point for to sure. make up the difference there? Yeah. Interesting. Cool, cool. Yeah. Only ones that are once a day or... That are a, a limited number of times okay, per day. So I could do a, a sixth martial flexibility yeah, if it, yeah. if it what came about to that. Occult skill unlocks. Hmm. I feel less comfy with that for some I reason. Do too. Okay. Let's say no for now. Maybe we'll change our minds. Very good. <laughs> so with all this new felt power and knowledge and questions, we all sleep in the chapel overnight, ending day ten of the campaign. And we wake up on day 11. Dora is the first to wake. And she is spooning a naked man she's never before seen in her life. That's the end of chapter 33. (laughs) Ah, That is so like Dora. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. 
Opening and closing themes, along with additional music, composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. <laughs> Yay! I've been waiting for this my whole Every life. Level. <laughs> level. Double level.